and it was it was a wonderful service. But tonight is a new service that we've been able to gather together, and God has accounted us a great privilege. Um, my voice doesn't seem to be quite where I would like it to be tonight, so uh, I may have to slow down just a bit. I say that a lot. Y'all probably say, he says that all the time, and he don't ever slow down. But uh, I am going to try. Um, I have thought about this verse of text today probably 40 different ways. Trying to get settled on the thought that God had given me. And certainly, uh, we said this before, and I'm thankful that Brother Luke mentioned it earlier, this altar's always open and we want you to know and we encourage you to come and seek God as soon as He starts dealing with your heart. Not only are we here that we might reverence God and exalt His name, but also that we might put forth the effort that we might point those that are lost to Jesus. And tonight, uh, we've got several different thoughts, but maybe the Lord will help us. I'm going to take some familiar text uh, to some of you. I, I'm sure most of you has heard this text preached on uh, several times. Uh, out of the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And as I began to think about this text, and the Lord began to lay some thoughts on our heart, and uh, began to think about it in the practical sense, as far as we know that um, Ezekiel had different visions, and even prior to this chapter in the 36th chapter, uh, one of the, uh, a lot of times we'll look over there at the 26th verse of the 36th chapter about the heart. But when we begin to think about uh, Israel, and at the end of this chapter, uh, the Lord was proclaiming through Ezekiel that, uh, Ephraim and Judah would no longer be separate, but they would be together, unified. And, uh, but he was talking to them in a sense here, and I've heard many different people and different commentators uh, I have read that have tried to give their, uh, their opinion based on what exactly this vision was referring to. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have... Uh, preached it in context to the church. And I have also uh, looked at it in a sense as far as the resurrection of the dead. But tonight my heart and my thoughts really are towards those that are lost. And I want to try to look at these tonight and I believe that it still applies. And so we want to take our reading there from the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And it says that the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit, excuse me, in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which is full of bones and caused me to pass them around about. And behold, and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. 
Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay insues upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied that there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the ensues and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, and breathe, and breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy, prophesy say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and hath performed it, and the Lord, saith the Lord. Now, with the mistakes that we've made reading, uh, that's reading Ezekiel 37, 1 down through 14. And as I began to think about uh, this verse of Scripture today, and I began to think about uh, what it is exactly that Ezekiel was seeing, and I could only begin to imagine as God began to use him and uh, began to enlighten him with this vision, that he found himself there in the Spirit of the Lord. And first and foremost tonight, as it's been said, uh, maybe even last night, that if we're going to do anything for God, that it has to be in the Spirit. Uh, we can do nothing on our own. Uh, even when we try to stand and proclaim the Word of God, it must be accompanied by the Spirit. And so tonight we find here that Ezekiel, uh, it says that he was uh, carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And tonight that might be our prayer as we begin to think about this revival, and we begin to think about those that we have seen, that have sought the Lord, and maybe for some time have uh, been confused. Uh, I, I, I don't know uh, necessarily tonight what might be standing in their way. And yet even I begin to think about those that, uh, maybe are close to the age of accountability and, and I began to think about them and the condition that they're in and my prayer is tonight that God uh, not because it's me but because it's accompanied by the Spirit 
that they might see themselves for what they are, and my friend, that they are a sinner that stands in need of God's help, and without the help of God, tonight intervening in their life, that hell will be where they'll go. That would be my prayer tonight. It has nothing to do with me, uh, but my sincere desire has been uh, for some time, to, uh, and I love, uh, uh, I'm like Brother Luke, when uh, the Lord is helping me, uh, uh, there's no place that I would rather be than behind the sacred book board of God and preaching His Word. Uh, my friend, I've told you before, I feel like it was where I was born to be, uh, my friend. But I'll tell you, uh, tonight as we begin to think about these things, he looked out and he seen a valley which was full of dry bones. Now I want you to imagine, if you will, uh, looking out and seeing a valley that's full of dry bones. Uh, I know there at home, uh, even uh, with my young child, there's been times uh, that we fool with cattle and oftentimes uh, uh, we'll find those bones and sometimes we have those cattle hauled off and disposed of, but we have buried them and uh, there's been times that he's come across bones out there and he'll say, Daddy, look at that bone there and how dried it is and there's no meat on it. He says it's just dead. And my friend, that's my thought tonight is, Without God, tonight you are dead in your sins and trespasses, and you stand in need tonight of God moving in your life. It's what you stand in need of. And he said, He caused me to pass around about, and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, thou knowest. Tonight there's nobody else that knoweth if those dry bones that may be seated amongst us can live but God. And my friend, tonight if they're going to come alive, it'll be because God does it. He said, I answered and said, Lord, thou knowest. He knows tonight your heart. He knows tonight the condition that you're in. He knows tonight if you're here and lost and separated from Him. Uh, listen, I don't know your heart and I would uh, be encouraged tonight to see you make a move for God because, listen, not only do I love you, but my friend, this church loves you. And my friend, God loves you. And we want to see you saved. He said, O Lord, thou knowest. He said again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones. He said, preach and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. I began to think about what the Apostle Paul said there in Romans uh, 1 and 16, I believe it is. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of the God, excuse me, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto them that believe, first unto the Jew and also to the Greek. He said, It is the power of God unto salvation. My friend, tonight the word of God, as it talks about there, I believe it's in the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse of the book of Hebrews, he talks about the word of God. 
And uh, let's just flip over there and read that. Because I'm going to mess around, mess it up. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That word discerner means that he knows. He knows your heart tonight. And he says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do. My friend, he knows you tonight. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. So I want you to understand that. But he told them, there in Ezekiel, he made the statement. He says, prophesy unto them. He says, Lord God, unto these bones, he said, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now tonight I began to think about what it is as far as, uh, I, I, before I get too far ahead, I, I want to go over here real quick in Matthew in the 23rd chapter. Now, turn to the 23rd chapter and the 25th verse. Now, Jesus is talking here to the, to the scribes and to the, Pharisee, uh, to the scribes and to the Pharisees and to the hypocrites. And he goes through a section here of woes. But here in the 25th verse, Jesus doing the speaking, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which was in within, and the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for ye are likened to the whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but on but within within, full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the, sepulch the sepulchers of the righteous. I want to stop there for just a moment. And I want to focus here on what he's saying. He says, uh, the outside of the cup and the platter, but the inside is full of extortion and excess. He's saying, do you not realize, you uh, scribes and you Pharisees, he said, you try uh, to, to make the outside appear more than what it is. He said, when the inside is full of hypocrisy, it's full of iniquity, it's full of sin is what he's saying. You try to make the outside appear as it's something that it's not, but yet he said, I know the inside. He said, I know your heart. He said, you try to make it look like one thing. You try to clean it up and polish it up on the outside, but he said, on the inside, I know your heart. He said, I know it's black. I know it's dead. He said, there's no life there. He said, I know that. He said... There woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are likened to the whited sepulchre, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside. But he said, within, full of dead man's bones. He said, there's no substance on the inside. On the outside, it looks beautiful. 
Oftentimes, uh, uh, that's the way that the Pharisee mentality was. They had this self-righteous attitude about them that they could go and do things and, and try to live according to the law, but yet uh, uh, they were uh, trying to live by works and do things uh, out of uh, priority and, and, and do things according to what they thought was right, more or less. And, uh, but on the inside, it was full of iniquity. Now, I want you to know and understand tonight that if you're here and lost and separated from God, it's an awful good thing tonight to, to listen, I wouldn't discourage nobody from the world. But my friend, what God desires for you more than anything is to be able to know that you've been saved. Uh, you can't truly sing praises about somebody you've never met. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, listen, I, I'm not trying to tell you not to sing about Him. But what I'm trying to tell you is, uh, my prayer is when we see these young people so, uh, sing, my desire is that they might know what they're singing about someday. That's what I want for them. Listen, you can't understand the goodness of God until you've experienced it in your heart. You can't sing about how He's God on the mountain and He's still God in the valley unless you've experienced it. But my friend, when God has taken you up on the mountain and you've been there and walked with Him and then you found yourself in the valley and you know what it's like, you can sing about it. Because you've been there. He said, the sepulcher appears beautiful on the outward, but within, full of dead man's bones. He said, what can make these dead bones live? He said, breathe. Breathe. My friend, tonight, as God's people, sometimes we sit back and we think of a God that's way out there in the third heaven. We think of a God that's untouchable. But my friend, tonight we serve a living God that's right here. And He dwells within our heart. He's not out there where I can't touch Him, but He's right here. He's right here in our heart. And my friend, tonight I want you to know and understand that we talk about praying for conviction. And my friend, that's what we need. It's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That it might come. And that's what he's talking about. About that breath and that wind. That God would send it. And that it would come. And that it would do its work. Just as he talked about over there in the Hebrew letter. Just as that word is quick. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Tonight I want to tell you. I can't remember what it is that that preacher preached to me the night that I realized that I was lost. I don't recall the text that he read. Uh, some people do, and that's all right. I don't remember what he preached. But I'm telling you, one night I come into that church, and I was just as fine and okay as I could be. And the next thing I know, that preacher was preaching, and something happened on the inside of me. My friend, there was a change that took place. My friend, the Holy Spirit began to work inside of me and God began to deal with me and He was letting me know that I was lost. What is it tonight to be lost? Well, one is Ephesians talks about in the second chapter. I believe it is. 
there in just a minute. Now, I realize Paul was talking here to the church, and he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By Christ ye are saved. And he hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, the ages to come he might shew the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works, least any man should boast. Now he says here, talking to the church here, as he wrote unto Ephesians, he said, And ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You're dead. I want you to understand that tonight. You're dead. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once and then cometh the judgment. You're dead. There's no life in you. That's what Jesus was talking about over there, I believe it's in the Gospel of John. He says in the fifth chapter, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that beareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. To hear is his word and to believe with a whole heart. But it's by faith. When I began to think about what it is to have faith, years ago, me and Jessica took a trip down uh, somewhere in Nashville. It was supposed to be a, a couple's retreat, uh, building skills with each other. And uh, I didn't know I was going to be jumping off a of, 20-foot tree, a 40-foot tree off a platform. Uh, she left that part out when we got down there. Uh, we went through this course. and The last thing we had to go through was called the leap of faith. And they harnessed you up, and this tree was a cedar tree that had all the limbs cut off of it, and it was about 40-foot tall. And as you started to climb up this thing, at the very top of it, they had a 12 by 12, uh, 2 by 6 plank mounted on top of it. And you went up the top and you had a, a wand in your hand. And when you jumped off the platform, you rung the bell. And I remember I wouldn't pay much attention and I finally made my way to the top and I finally had to figure out how to climb on top. And then once I made it on top, that's when I stopped. I thought... Ooh, that's 40 foot. That's an awful long way to go. Of course, she's down at the bottom hollering at me. I wish you'd hurry up. But about that time, I began to trust the equipment that I had on. They told me, you're secure. You're fine. Just jump. And finally, I decided then that I was going to jump. And when I jumped, everything happened just like it ought to happen. The equipment worked, and I come to the ground safely. 
And my friend, uh, faith tonight is completely trusting in the Lord 100% with a whole heart. And tonight you've got to be willing to leap, to go to whatever ends it takes to be saved. To fall into His arms completely and surrendered. Here I am, Lord, take me. The Spirit of God. That it works in our lives. The Word of God. And how powerful that it is. He said, Behold, I will lay insues upon you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and know that I am the Lord. He said, about that time as I was prophesying, he said, there was a, no, a noise and behold a shaking and the bones became together bone to his bone. My friend, when God begins to work, things begin to happen. And you begin to realize that there's a change. Something is coming on. When you realize maybe tonight that you're here and lost, uh, I, I can't tell you about your heart, but you know where you stand in the presence of God. You know, you know tonight if you're here and lost, maybe uh, tonight, uh, 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 you know, I've had people tell me, Brother Cole, I'm not lost. And you know, it's not for me to answer if they are or not. Ultimately, they're going to have to stand in the presence of an almighty living God. Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. They're the ones that's going to have to fall into the hands of a living God. But I want you to know tonight that Jesus wants you to have life. He said, I am the door. He said, others may come and Thieves may try to break through and steal, but he said, if you're going to be saved, you've got to come through me. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More fully. He said, you think that you've got life now? He said, you feel like you're going through this life? He said, you're experiencing everything that there is to experience? He said, you've not even begun to fully feel life until you've experienced me. He said, I'll give you life and give it to you more abundantly. When God begins to move, you'll know. Now, to say that you might be able to hide those things from me and from other people, listen, that's between you and the Lord. I know as a saved man, there's been a lot of times that the Lord has worked on me, and I'll be, I'm just going to be plain with you. I don't know if y'all are different than me, but when God's moved on me before, I've sat there and I've white-knuckled that seat in front of me. I have. Lord, just pounding on my heart to get up and stand up and testify, sitting there quenching the Spirit the whole time. I'm guilty of that. When God moves on your heart, that's the time to move. When God begins to move, you know something's happening. Now, he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, 
prophesy the son of man saying to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live and so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up on their feet an exceedingly great army when God breathes and his spirit dwells within your heart it's like brother Luke said last night that's only the beginning of your walk Tonight, as I begin to think about these things, I'm about to wrap it up, Brother Mike, if you'll get us a song. I thought about what Apostle Paul wrote over here in the Roman letter. He said, For if we lived after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit of God is to be the Son of God. Listen, I, I don't believe the Spirit contradicts itself. When the Spirit leads you to move, you're one of His. That's how the Spirit of God works. He lets us know. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry of a father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So how do we know that we're the children of God? It's because of His Spirit that dwells within our heart that we know that we're a child of God. I think about what Nicodemus, as he went over there tonight to the Lord Jesus, and he began to talk to him. He said, Lord, we know that thou art a teacher. Uh, I might have I warned you a little early, Brother Mike. He said, Father, we know that thou art a teacher. He said, then same Jesus came by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher from God, and no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he uh, be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee that you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound of, but it cannot, uh, cannot tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now I know and realize tonight that that's all very familiar to us. But as Nicodemus began to sit there, he said, uh, Lord, I, I don't necessarily understand what you're talking about, about being born again. I, I don't know how that I'm to enter into my mother's womb and, and be born again. But the Lord told him, he said, you must be born of the Spirit. And my friend, tonight I'm thankful that uh, Jesus said over there, he said, it's expedient that I go away, that the Comforter might come. And my friend, that it was necessary that he must go away. But yet he said also over there, I believe it was in the 16th chapter, he said that the Comforter would reprove and rebuke. And my friend, when the Comforter comes, it convicts us of our spirit. Uh, it convicts us in our heart. It lets us know that there's sin in our life. I'm not here to judge you, but I want you to, I want you to know and understand tonight, sinner, 
If you're hearing laws that you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. And my friend, I don't know when time is coming. I don't know when the end of time will draw near. But I want you to know that Jesus, my friend, is able to give you life. He is. And as he looked out there, my friend, you may look like the most greatest thing in the world to me and to your mom and daddy. But I'll tell you what, Jesus knows your heart tonight. He knows your heart. He knew my heart as a little boy. You know, I'll be honest with you, church. When at nine years old, I thought I'd been a pretty good little boy. I did. I did. Well, as far as I know, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I had. I remember when I was a little boy, I got in trouble for stealing. I stole a pack of bubble gum. Maybe y'all don't like hearing about that, but that's just as plain as I can be about it. My mama made me march right back in there and give it back and tell them I had stole it and then made me pay for it. When it all come down to it, I realized that I was a liar, that I was a thief. When it really come down to it, you may have lived the best life and maybe today you're not. Uh, listen, there may not be any of those kind of sins in your life. But I want you to know and understand today that it's not up to me to, ju to judge you in your life. But it's up to the judge himself. And one day after a while you'll have to stand before his presence. And will you be able to say, I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. My friend, all of us are guilty. The Bible says there's none righteous, no not one. There's none good. There's none of us. I believe Isaiah tells us that we're all as filthy rags. Tonight, if you're here and lost, you need to be saved. And I'm thankful, church, for the Spirit. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if we give the Spirit enough credit around. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of them make up the triune God. He, he's God too. The Spirit. Boy, I can't see Him, but I sure can feel Him in my heart. Tonight, if you're here in law, come seek the Lord while there's an opportunity to be saved. Come seek. Try your best, all you may, to clean up the outside of the platter and the cup. But God knows the inside of your heart. Brother, go ahead. At the bottom. Page 23. Let's all stand. Nothing but the blood. 